Good afternoon, good evening, good morning to those tuning in to the show right now. Thank y'all for tuning in once again to Last Word Productions. As y'all all know, I'm Tavares Wilson, your host, and I always get the last word. Now, for starters, we're going to jump right in into some NFL news because as we all see, NFL rankings by executives, coaches, producers, whatever the case may be, have came out for certain positions. Now, I have seen only the quarterback rankings and receiver rankings. I'm not sure if they did any other rankings other than that, but those are the two rankings I've seen. And I want to get right into the quarterback rankings. And if I'm being truthful with you guys, I think it's well overdue and just at this point really disingenuous how Lamar Jackson is being rated and viewed not only by coaches and producers, but the media itself, because Lamar Jackson is a quarterback in this. He's he's in his fourth season. He's approaching his fifth season. He's been in the league four years. He's made the playoffs three out of four years. He has won playoff games. He has an MVP to his name, to his career. Many, a lot of quarterbacks on that top ten list have never received a quarter a MVP vote, let alone win the award unanimously. Which he's the only the second player ever to do it. The other one so happens to be everyone's favorite GOAT quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. The man has posted games where he's thrown for over 400 yards, 85% of better completion percentage, only player in NFL history to do that. He's broken records, whether it's the rushing yards record for quarterbacks in the season, whether it's the passing accolade I just named, whether it's the fact that he's the youngest MVP to ever win the award, whether it's the fact that he has one of the best all-around QBRs of all time, at especially at this stage of his career. He has the highest winning percentage of any quarterback at the age and at the amount of games he's played. I just, quite frankly, guys, I do not see the argument against keeping him out of your top five. Uh, not even top five, top ten. I just, top five is arguable. He, he may not be top five. I'm not saying he is definitively, but... To say he's not top 10 at that point, to me, is just, is just disingenuous. There are not 10 quarterbacks in the league better than Lamar Jackson. And I'm going to name four on that list that I believe he's better than. I believe he's better than Dak Prescott. I believe he's better than Joe Burrow. I believe he's better than Justin Herbert. And I believe he's better than Matthew Stafford. He's better than all four of those guys in my eyes. He's accomplished more in his career than those guys. I know Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl. I know Joe Burrows just went to the Super Bowl. Listen to me. Individual players. We're talking about individual players here. Just the quarterback itself. He's more accomplished than all of those guys. He's done more in his short career than Joe Burrow has done in his career. He is on pace to be as great as a consistent quarterback as it can be like Matt Stafford. He's on that trajectory. And for people to make it seem as if Dak Prescott, a guy who, in my personal opinion, is just a little above a game manager, is better than one of the greater talents in the league at quarterback and one of the better, more accomplished quarterbacks in our league in terms of his individual productivity and his impact on winning and losing a game. I'm sorry. I can't. I cannot go. I just seen... Cooper, I believe Cooper Rush, the backup quarterback, I seen him play one of the better games in the Dallas Cowboys jersey just last season against the Vikings and won the game. And threw an amazing fade route to Amari Cooper in the end zone to win it. 
I'm not taking anything from Dak. I'm not saying Dak is a bad quarterback, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He does not deserve to be in the top 10 over Lamar Jackson. Now, excuse me if y'all hit a dog in the background. I don't know what he's doing. He's going crazy. But he's not Lamar Jackson. He doesn't deserve to be on any top 10 list above Lamar Jackson. In my personal opinion, I think that's just straight up out outrageous. I think it's highly, highly unacceptable. The league executives, they're clearly just looking at it and saying, this guy can't throw the football. That's it. We think these 10 guys are better pure passers. Which, if you feel that way, cool. But the numbers speak differently. He completes just as many passes as all those guys. He attempts passes downfield. And I always encourage people to do this. Name me one receiver that he has ever had that you could consider a legitimate number one. Matter of fact, when was the last time a Ravens receiver made the Pro Bowl? Let's let's start there. Can we name the last time the Ravens receiver made a, a Pro Bowl? Because off the top, I can't think of any. I can't. I'm going to be honest with you. The last Pro Bowl caliber receiver I remember them having was an over his prime of... Well, after his prime, Steve Smith. And Lamar Jackson wasn't there for that. So who who has Lamar had in these past four years that you can legitimately say is a number one option? To me, in my personal opinion, there hasn't been one. That's just me, though. Y'all give me one second. Let me go get this dog straightened out. Uh, thank y'all for waiting for me on that. But my part is for the little delay. But back to what I was saying. I just feel as if, all in all, Lamar Jackson is being disrespected. That's no other way around it for me. I don't think there should be a list out there that doesn't have him at least top 10. I don't care how you feel about him as a passer. I don't care how you feel about him as a player. The facts are the facts. And his numbers, his records, the stats he has putting up year in and year out speak for themselves. That's it. But... With that being said, let's get into the top five receivers that list that I've seen. And this list was a, a bit more acceptable for me, but I do feel as if they did DeAndre Hopkins a little bit dirty too. Because in my personal opinion, I still believe DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league. And I know he got hurt last season. I know he's going to be excuse me, suspended like the half the season this year because of PEDs. So, substance abuse, whatever the case may be. Does it take away from the fact that we've seen this dude for five, six consecutive years put up a 1K plus seasons with no drops, one drop maybe. The fact that he put up double-digit touchdowns, got consistent eight-yard touchdown, eight, not eight-yard, but eight touchdowns a better a season. I'm sorry. To me, he still is at the very least a top five receiver, the very least. On the list, they had they had Devontae Adams number one, they had Cooper Cup second, they had Jamar Chase third, Justin Jefferson fourth, and they had Tyreek Hill fifth. Now, I can live with that list because all of those guys all have arguments to be top five. I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not swaying and say I'm going to go at them like I did for Lamar Jackson. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this: I do feel as if Stephon Diggs is better than. I do feel as if he's better than Tyreek Hill and arguably better than Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is in one year. He's he's one year in. Let's give it time before we start calling him top five. I love Jamar Chase. I wanted the Dolphins to draft Jamar Chase. 
but he's a one-year rookie so far. Let's slow down the top five arguments right now. Could me, for me, my biggest thing has always, always, always been consistency. That's why I'm higher on guys who y'all believe are done in their, you know, prime years or their past days behind them. Until I start actually seeing that drop off of myself, my opinion of them will not change. And with that being said, I do believe Stefan Diggs has an argument to be top five. Because I personally believe he's definitely better than Tyreek Hill. I, I, me personally, I believe he's better than Tyreek Hill. I think me personally, I think he's a little better than Justin Jefferson. That's a bit interchangeable, but Justin Jefferson to me is a little slightly worse than what Stefan Diggs is. And Jamar Chase, like I said, is one year thing. Then I like I said, DeAndre Hopkins, I think he needs to be in this list. I think he deserves to be over this list, definitely over Cooper Cup. I mean, Cooper Cup may have put together the greatest receiver season we've ever seen. I'm not denying that. But at the end of the day, DeAndre Hopkins has done more in the I believe Cooper Cup been in the league six years. Out of five of those Five of those six years, DeAndre Hawkins has been undeniably better than him every year. Five out of six years. I'm sorry. That's that's the better player. That's the better player. Now, if you want to speak on right here, right now, and you want to say you want to just have tunnel vision and look at this one year, then okay, I guess. But at the end of the day, Hawkins got hurt last season. It wasn't because he just wasn't productive. He just got hurt. He was still on pace to be a 1K receiver with multiple touchdowns last season. I'm not going to sit here and believe DeAndre Hawkins is done or he's no longer top five. No, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going off of what he has shown on a year-to-year basis. And until he shows he's falling off that clip, I'm not believing that. Excuse me. But as far as that goes... I'm all here for it, man. I mean, I think Jarrett Hopkins is still top five. I have no problem with him naming Devontae Adams the best receiver in the league. Devontae Adams is as consistent as can be from week-to-week basis. Now, we will see how he will perform without Aaron Rodgers. I will say that. He has had the luxury of getting the ball thrown at him by one of the best quarterbacks and best pure-arm talents this league has ever seen. So, we, we will see how that works out for him. We will see. But at the end of the day, I have zero issue with him being named number one right now. Now, with that being said, I want to get into a little bit of Dolphin news before I get into the NBA news and all the trades and signings that have occurred that really caught my eye. But let me get into something that I had spoke about with last week. Not, not last week, but I believe two days ago on TikTok. It was about two attack by Lord. And... Essentially, what I said about Tua was that I believe this is his last season to prove and show what he's got. I believe that. I'm not saying everyone has to believe that. I'm not saying that's definitively what's going to happen. He's going to get traded or moved on from, cut, whatever the case may be. I'm not saying that. Me, personally, I believe Tua has... I believe Tua has... I'm sorry, y'all. I'm trying to pull up these questions for the Q&A. I personally believe Tua has one last shot. Me, personally. I think this is last year. They've gone all out to make sure he has what it has around him, whatever he needs, in order to be his most successful. 
whether that was new receivers, whether it was that a new Ray event looked online, they brought him in. They brought in new, excuse me. They brought in new players such as Chase Edmonds. They brought in Raheem Mostert. They brought in Sonny Michelle. So you got three new running backs. You got a fullback to go along with that running back. So that means this is going to be a team that's going to ground and pound. You're going to run the ball. You're not going to be asked to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game now. So what does that mean for Tua? Well, that just means this. That means you have more chances to take stress off of you. More play action means easier looks, easier completions, etc. Now, with all that being said, does that mean Tua is going to be guaranteed anything? And my quick answer to that is, no. He's not guaranteed anything. Why isn't he guaranteed anything? Because of this simple fact. The fact is, it still is on him to go out and perform. It still is on him to make these guys better. Tyreek Hill, all the thing Tyreek Hill could do is if the ball is get delivered to him. That's it. He can only do something with the ball as if it's put in his hands. He can run 40, 30 yards all game. If the ball is not being thrown or he's not being looked at, he won't have any impact on the game as an individual player. Yes, he can create space for guys underneath and things like that. I'm not denying that. But at the end of the day, you didn't go out and get this guy to simply be a distraction to the defense. You went out and got this guy because he can be... As we all have said, your Debo Samuel, which by all reports, he's going to be that. But at the end of the day, he still has to be productive, just like how Tua has to be sure to make him productive. This is your guy. Just like Teron Armstead, that's your guy. That is your franchise left tackle. They went and got you Connor Williams at left guard. You know, you now have one of the best left side of offensive lines in all of football. It's Easily a top three left side. The the center position may still be addressed because I know it's on Zeitler's, um, not Zeitler, but the center for the Browns who got released. I know he's still out there. So you may very well have a chance to still have one of the better units in the league. All you have to do is go out and make one signing. Now, they may not. The Dolphins still have 16 million on the books, though, so they may very well go out and get them. I don't know. I can't tell the team what they're going to do. But what I do know is this. All the excuses aside, it's done. All of these excuses, he, he doesn't have a coach that supports him. Mike McDaniel has done everything and anything he could to show he supports Tua. They don't have the weapons around him. They went out, again, they went out and got three running backs. All three are good in their own right. I believe one is really damn good in Chase Edmonds, who... Just simply needs opportunities and touches, if I'm being honest. They went and got you a fullback, extra protection. They franchise tag Mike Gazicki, one of your better favorite targets you had last season. Jalen Waddle's there, a guy that you played with throughout college. They went and got you a better slot receiver in Cedric Wilson as well. Again, better weaponry, better offense, same defense. The defense that has helped you all win games on multiple occasions. This season is on tour. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that because it's just become so easy to blame everything else around him than hold him accountable. It's on him. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. It's on tour at this point. The reason why I wanted to reiterate that is because a lot of people, again, have been giving me backlash on different social media platforms about tour. And 
who he is and what he will be. Like I said, it's on him. At this point, it's all on him. There is no more excuses. Regardless of whatever excuse you want to use, it's on him. That's it. I do believe he's going to have a great year. I don't deny that. But he still has to show that. That's what it comes down to. But at the end of the day, that's what that is. And I still have faith in the Dolphins regardless. But let's get into a new segment I would like to call... What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> anyway, what the segment basically is going to be, it's going to be me saying outrageous takes for both the NFL and NBA. And since we started off with the NFL, I'm going to start with my NFL outrageous take. Now, they could be of the new age or an older generation, just my overall takes on the NFL, on the NFL. But my first outrageous take, and what did he say take for the NFL, I'm going to say this. I do believe the I do believe the Chiefs will not make the playoffs this season. And here's why. I thought about this longer hard and at first I thought that the Chiefs would be able to sneak into the playoffs, but the more I look at the AFC, the more I just convince myself the Chiefs have no shot of making the playoffs. The Chargers to me are gonna win their division. I think the Broncos are gonna be second in that division. And it's going to be a dogfight between them and the Raiders for the, th the third spot. Because the Raiders, for some reason, always give them trouble. They give them problems every season. And then you look outside of that. You got the Ravens coming back healthy. Scary. You got the Dolphins, who are better, who I just went on the rant about. They're all depending on tool. They could compete with any team in the league, any given Sunday. Then, how the Deshaun Watson and Brown situation play out, you may never know. And then after that, you got teams who always seem to find a way to get where they want to go, whether it's the Steelers, whether it's the <clears throat> excuse me, whether it's the Patriots, you know, teams like that, they for some reason are always competitive, even if they're not the most talented. They're well coached. They got a culture that is a winning state winning staff winning staff. I don't know why I couldn't say that. Winning staff. And it's just a different feel there to the point where they don't think about the playoffs because they know one way or the other they're going to be there. So when I look at that and I look at the fact that their defense has actually gotten worse since Tyron Matthew has left, I don't know how much a believer I can be in Patrick Mahomes to carry them to the promised land. Because outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe Juju Smith, I just don't see the offensive weapons. I mean, I'm not denying Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is pretty a pretty good running back, but he's a he's a okay back. He doesn't do anything exceptionally well. He does a lot of things good or okay, but he doesn't does anything exceptionally well. I mean, that offensive line they went out and paid a lot of money Orlando Brown over there now, but it doesn't seem as if the money that they got for him and Joe Thune is going to exactly pan out. And I hope it does because I honestly want to see the Chiefs make it. I love seeing Patrick Mahomes play every given Sunday. But we just got to see first. So that is up in the ropes for me. That is my very what did he say? <laughs> Unpopular opinion right now for the NFL. And like I said, I will be doing these for like all times. Teams I think that's going to be underrated, overrated, etc. So y'all just stay tuned in for that. But let's get into the NBA news, man. So NBA news, we're going to start off the bat. The trade that shook the world a couple days ago. 
the Carl Anthony Towns signing I miss, almost made all people believe that there's no way in hell the Timberwolves moving on Carl Anthony Towns. He wasn't going to be a center. Well, that's what we thought. They ended up trading for Rudy Gobert, and they gave up a lot for him. I believe they gave up three players on them, staking three, four players. I don't, I don't remember the exact trade details. They gave up multiple players, and they gave up two, three first-round picks. So multiple players, multiple picks for Rudy Gobert. And all honesty, I don't feel as if they lost the trade at all. A lot of people believe they lost the trade. And what that trade tells me is Draymond Green actually spoke on this on his I believe it was his podcast called The Volume, but he spoke on this as well. This trade tells me that they are all in on Anthony Edwards being the guy. And the reason that they are all in on Anthony Edwards and how I could tell that is because Carl Anthony Towns was there for, what, five, six years? When have they ever made any aggressive move to come get something of importance or essential need to help him? But they just did that for Anthony Edwards, who looked really damn good in the playoffs, I might add. This guy's a young star in the making. He is. He he's going to be a future multi-time, excuse me, future multi-time all-star. He's going to be a guy that's going to be an all-NBA caliber guy. This dude has it. He has what you call the it factor. And adding Rudy Gobert, who in my in my personal opinion, is becoming vastly underrated because the fact that so many people made it seem as if the Timberwolves gave up too much for him or they just didn't need him is, like, how can we say that? The one thing the Timberwolves did horribly was rebound and defend the rim. He instantaneously fixes all of those problems. All of them. He's the best rim protector by far in our league. And he's one of the better rebounders in the league. He fixed all those problems. You get him to protect the rim, and you get Cat to play a little bit more outside, outside the painted area, so he could actually work on the perimeter more from work his way out than in. I'm sorry, how you're helping your second best player, and you get both of them on the boards. That's to me. That sounds like a match made in heaven, if you ask me. But in my personal opinion, I just believe current three times. He's, he's benefiting from what he will benefit, I should say, from what Rudy Gobert is. And from that point on, only thing stopping this team from making the playoffs just depends on how well they mesh together. That's, that's all it comes down to. If they can mesh well together, I believe then and only then this team will be a very, 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 very dangerous team come postseason. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Excuse me one sec. But in other news, Damian Lillard has signed a two-year deal worth $122 million. He's scheduled to make $254 million over the next five years, I believe. And I'm going to just say this, man. I know Damian Lillard say he, you know, people run from the grind and, you know, they scared to actually take on challenges and stuff like that. Listen, Damian Lillard not fooling nobody with this humble talk anymore, man. He is just simply chasing money. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the one thing you can do that can help you run from a grind or have zero expectation 
in terms of not just joining another team just to get it not easier per se, but to make it less less straining on you as an individual player than to go get help is to stay with a team that has zero expectations to exceed anything. So if David Lillard stays important like how he's doing, he has zero, zero expectations to even make the Western Conference Championship. What does that mean? That means he can make all the money he wants with zero expectations, with zero accountability of why his team isn't competing for titles, and be perfectly fine. Won't even be questioned because everyone would just instantly say, "Well, Portland is rebuilding. Well, Portland doesn't have the pieces. Well, Portland hasn't supported Damian Lillard. It's easy now. It's easier to get away with that now." All I'm saying is this, man. I love Dame. I'm not saying Dame isn't a great player. I believe Damian Lillard is a great player, but I also believe he's running from the grind that he speaks of. Because when you don't have expectations to be great, to make your team great, to be a contending team, that makes your job easy because now you're playing with house money. Whatever you do from this point on is simply what people expected or you exceeded expectations. That's what it comes down to. And to me, in my personal opinion, yes, he's, he's running from the grind. Like how he said about... Paul George a couple years back when it was in the bubble, I believe. He's running from the grind. The same grind he speaks about, that's what he's running from. But in other news, I believe that if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, P.J. Tucker did sign the 76ers. He will be joining them on the three-year deal, I believe. And Truth be told, it's a good signing for them. I know James Harden took a pay cut to actually for to actually help them go get more that they could actually use to help them utilize to win a championship. And on top of all of that, I just I just don't know what the hell is gonna happen with the <clears throat> excuse me. I just don't know what's going the hell is gonna happen with the Clippers this season because the Clippers could be dangerous. They have PG, Kawhi Leonard, and now John Wall as their basically their perimeter players. And let me tell you something. All three of these guys at their best could be some of the better defenders in our league, without question. John Wall can add you another 18, 16 points per game. Give you eight, seven assists a game. He he's he could still do do that. Cause when he was with the Houston Rockets the season before last, he gave you around those numbers on the season. So I'm not I'm not going to question whether or not he can still produce. He can. He may not be the all-star he once was, but he can still produce at somewhat of a high level. But at the end of the day, they all got to stay healthy, man. They all got to stay healthy. They all have injury issues. But if they can stay healthy and they can find a <clears throat> excuse me, chemistry together, yeah, this, this, this could be a top three team in the West. Anyway, let's get into my what did he say <laughs> NBA take. Now, this is a take that I've had for quite some time. A lot of people don't like this take. A lot of people say I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get into in-depth details because, like I said, I have 
hone on this stance and take and I would down this hill for as long as I live. I do not believe Kobe is a top 10 player all time. In fact, I believe Kobe is the most overrated player of all time, of any athlete. God rest his soul. Hope the best for his family. It was terrible what happened to him and his daughter Gigi. I, I truly do wish his family him the best. But as a basketball player, I think Kobe was by far the most overrated player I've ever seen in my life. It's not to say Kobe wasn't good, not to say he wasn't great. But when people argue and tell me he's top three, arguably the best player ever, I just can't I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I just can't. Now, again, I have hammered on points about this for a long time. If you all want me to go in depth again about why I feel this way, I would gladly do so. Just comment, let me know. I make an extended detailed explanation when I can, TikTok, YouTube, whatever the case may be. But as it stands right now, yes, Kobe, for me personally, highly overrated. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> we're going to get into the fan Q&A now. Now, the fan Q&A, as the same as we do every week, just answer questions from fans from Facebook and YouTube. If you ever want to ask me a question... You gotta be. You gotta catch these posts. I post them every Monday, so y'all stay tuned to that. So first question comes from Nan Martinez. Are the ESPN high school football rankings for prospects an actual measure of talent, or is it more of a popularity contest? Now, even though this is an NFL, NBA, NBA, excuse me, podcast, I'm gonna answer this question because this is an issue we face in society. I believe it is a popularity contest. It's more about who you know and where you play versus your actual talents. We've seen plenty of two one-star athletes going to be some of the best players we've ever seen. Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, I believe was a three-star. Josh Allen, guy who literally has zero offers. You know, it's plenty of players out there who have that talent and it never was reflected by their rankings. So, yes, I do believe it's more of a popularity contest. Next question comes from Mason Moon. He has several questions. Biggest sleeper team for the NFL. Biggest and biggest drop-off in performance. So, I've already said the Chiefs, I believe, would be the biggest drop-off in performance because I don't believe they made the playoffs. I don't. And the biggest sleeper for the NFL, I'm going to have to go with... Just off the top, thinking right now, I'm going to have to go with the Saints. I know a lot of people say they improve, but I think the Saints, if they can make it all come together, and Michael Thomas comebacks healthy, and he's even somewhat close to what he once was, this is the team that could legitimately contend for a Super Bowl. I know a lot of people may not agree with that because they don't. They simply don't know what the Saints are, and I'm not a fan of their head coach hiring. I'm not. He's... Not a good coach in my opinion. But they can make this work. And early offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year selections. Uh if I had to get into this, you know, I'm not gonna get into this right now. I'm going to make a separate video about 
Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year selections or MVP selections. Cause I want to get, I want to see how roles are played for certain players and rookies versus others. Cause then I'd be able to get a true understanding of who I believe can actually take the award. So I'm a, just give me about another episode or two to do that, my man. Is Debo Samuel a receiver running back hybrid position here to stay in the league? Yes, absolutely. He's because he's no longer the only one doing it now. Remember, Cordell Patterson legitimately moves to running back and played receiver his entire career. So yes, this this is something that's going to happen a lot. Now Curtis Samuels does it a lot too. Next question comes from Jack from Jack Sanchez. What's the best fit for Donovan Mitchell? Honestly, I think it's the Miami Heat. Even though I don't believe he per se is the best fit for them, I think I think they are the best fit for him though. I believe their culture will force him to be have a more strong state of mind. I believe that coach would force him to be a better defender than what he is and a better playmaker because that's literally what the Heat culture is and what it consists of. I just don't know if he's willing to abide by that. I don't know how coachable of a player he is. That's the only thing. Next question comes from Lamaya. He says, top 10 at each position like ESPN doing now. NFL positions. And I actually commented and said, this is cool. I'll start with quarterbacks first. So let me go ahead and pull out my quarterbacks top 10 list. Y'all give me one second. I put it on my phone. And I'm letting y'all know I'm bad. Lamar Jackson is definitely my top 10. I'm not going to disrespect him like ESPN did. Not. No, was that ESPN? No, that was in the field. I literally just made this list. I'm mad if I can't find it. <laughs> but Lamar Jackson is definitely in my top 10. If I can't find it, guys, I'm going to just do it off top. I should, it should be here, though. Uh, man. Okay, here you go, right here. So I got some honorable mentions. I got Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, and I got Tom Brady as an honorable mention. Because I do believe Tom Brady's best days are behind him. I know he just performed extremely well this past season, but there were some instances he showed his age, and I think that will come to full effect this season. I don't think he'll be terrible, but I think he won't be a top 10 caliber quarterback. So my first quarterback, I got Aaron Rodgers, Padgett Mahomes. I have Deshaun Watson at three. Here's why I have Deshaun Watson at three. The last time I seen Deshaun Watson on the football field, he was a better quarterback than Josh Allen, then Russell Wilson, then Lamar Jackson, whoever you want to name. He was a better quarterback than all of them. Then I got Russell Wilson fourth. Then I got Matt Stafford at fifth. Then I have Lamar Jackson at sixth. Now, I know I said earlier, I believe Lamar is a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. The only reason why I have Matt Stafford currently ranked over Lamar is because Lamar missed the playoffs last season. That's it. That's the only reason. Now, they to me, those two are definitely interchangeable, but I think those two are, you know, the more debatable ones. Next, I have Josh Allen. I like Josh Allen, but he has had forgettable games that a top-five quarterback should not have to me. He looked tremendously bad in the, the opening against the Steelers last season. He looked awful in the Jazz game last season. And he, he didn't look good in the second game against Miami either. I know they won, 
Hell, they didn't look good in the first game. I'm being honest. I know they won both games, but I just expect a little more from him, especially with the hype he receives. I will say this, though. That game he played against the Chiefs was by far the best game I've ever seen him play, and it was tremendous. If he can play that on a consistent basis, he's easily top three in the league. Then I got Justin Herbert, eighth. Then I got Joe Burrow, nine. And I got Kyler Murray at 10. That's my quarterback's top 10 right there. So... Next question comes from Van Velsine. Can Tua meet expectations or will he plunder with new talents? Like I just said, it's all on Tua, man. I believe he can meet expectations. I believe he can be very damn good. But at the end of the day, it's on him. That's all it comes down to. Will Miami made a playoffs with new additions added in the offseason? Well, that question comes from Nima Anderson. Like I said, my man, it all comes down to Tua. This team will go as far as Tua can approve. Let's, let's just be honest about that. However well he approves, or how much he approves, that's what it's going to come down to. This next question comes from Mark Kierce. Does Claypool really have what it takes to be a top three NFL receiver? No. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. No. Just, just no. He doesn't. He's a very talented guy, but he, at best, on a talent-based level, is top eight. There are a lot of talented receivers in the league. Like, we're just talking about pure talent. No, he's, he's not top three. Next question comes from Fernando Torres. What's Jaw's chances against MJ? I actually made a TikTok about this. Jaw has a really damn good chance to beat MJ, like, in a one-on-one matchup. Not to say he's going to own MJ, but he will get his regardless. People got to remember something. John Moran is one of the most athletic, explosive point guards we've ever seen play this game. The last athletic, explosive point guard Jordan went up against that gave him trouble with Allen Iverson, yeah, he couldn't hold him. Just like how Jordan struggled against unathletic guys like Reggie Miller or some other people from the 80s who weren't as nearly as the athlete or as skilled as John Moran is. I don't know why people believe John Moran just would get Locked up. He won't. Surprise, surprise playoff twin, team Excuse me, from NBA NFL. Quitting midnight. Well, I'm not going to do the NBA because a lot of teams haven't made moves yet. But if I had to choose one surprise team in the NBA, though, like just for the sake of the question, I would have to go with... I'm going to say the Hawks. I think them getting Deontay Murray really made a difference for them. So I'm going to go with Hawks. And for the NFL, um, I'm going to go Vikings. Yeah, I'm going to go Vikings. Vikings in Tennessee. Because I think Derrick Henry is still something that will help Tennessee be competitive for their division. Next question comes from Mason Moon. What do you think of getting rid of conferences in the NFL and just putting every team that didn't win their division in a seeding pool? Top six teams getting based on record alone. It's not a bad idea, but I wouldn't like it, if I'm being honest. I don't have an issue with the conferences. I have an issue with the divisions and the way that they're divided and the teams you go up against. I think they need to be more based on so of the travel distance and so much of the, you know, 
the regional area that you're in. I don't think they need to be like, for example, look at the Dolphins. You got to travel to Buffalo, New York, and then you got to travel to Massachusetts to play the New England Patriots. I believe is it Massachusetts. I believe so. I could be wrong about that, but still, like it, it would be much easier if they had the if the AFC if the AFC South would have been something like you know you got the the um the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, like something like that, like all four teams an hour, two hours out from one another. To me, that's just more feasible. For me, to me, that's just more feasible. This next question comes from Quentin McKnight. What started the fall of the Brooklyn Nets? Now, this is a great question because a lot you can you can factor this to a lot of things, but the biggest thing that played on their downfall for me and personally, I believe, was the day they hired Steve Nash as their head coach. Now, that's not me saying. Steve Nash is all to blame because he's not. I believe this is on the players at the end of the day. They vouched for Steve Nash at the end of the day. They wanted Steve Nash there. They got him. And then they ended up just making him a pushover almost. He didn't hold hold KD and Kyrie to a standard of responsibility. He didn't. KD, Kyrie, they did whatever the hell they wanted to. I mean, Kyrie was on the radio telling y'all he he felt as if they didn't need a coach. They can coach themselves type deal. The moment he said that, I knew Steve Nash was nothing more than a, a, a puppet that was ployed to just be in a coaching role. So that's where it all started for me. Because from there, it led to players sitting out games more often than you expect them to. It led to Kyrie feeling as if he didn't need to be at games or whatever the case may be. It's just... All that just led to their downfall. I mean, fights at practices with each other. Not with them two per se, but I know James Harden and Kyrie went out of that practice a couple times. That's It's just maddening to me. And rookie of the year predictions, NFL, NBA. Like I said, I'm going to see how much more it is like in terms of roles people play in the NFL. But... I don't know, man. Like it's it's difficult right now to call that because it's just so early. I haven't. I gotta see training camp. I'll be honest with you, man. I gotta see training camp for the NFL. And honestly, for the NBA, man, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. This this one I can actually answer because I've been oppressed with this dude. Like when I say oppressed, I mean very oppressed. Like he he gave Jabari Smith problems. When they played against the Rockets. And that's Pablo Bacharo, Bacharo, I believe. The forward that the Magic's drafted. The dude is a bucket. The dude plays with... He oozes confidence. He remi- His game reminds me so much of Carmelo Anthony that it's crazy. I'm talking about his post-up game, fadeaway jumper. His ability to beat you off the dribble. He has a nice, smooth dribble step back three and transition. Not transition, but... You know, right to left finish transaction. Like he is a legitimate scorer in this league, and he has some defensive capabilities. I think he has a real legitimate shot at winning Ricky of the Year. And I know he's the first overall pick, so it's kind of cliche to say, but I got to tell him I haven't been more impressed by a rookie than him thus far. But 
That's it for me, guys. Thank y'all for tuning in to the show once again, man. Y'all be sure to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Y'all be sure to follow me on all my platforms, Facebook, Twitch. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. You find me under the same at Last Word Productions. Thank y'all again. I'll see y'all in the next one.